you want to be the place that people want to come to, not people want to run from. I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, this is Brian, and I want to welcome you back to Lead with Impact. Happy to have you in the house today. We are going to jump back into our Leadership Sense series. I will be joined once again by Joelle Monaco of Joelle Monaco Consulting and Tom Shin of Build Better Culture. And this time we are going to tackle the topic of leadership style, specifically leading with influence, not fear. And we are going to talk about topics like what are the potential sources of a leader's power? Is it better to lead with influence versus leading by reward and punishment? And what are some of the downsides of leading through fear? So if you have ever wondered what makes a great boss and what makes people want to stay at a company versus leave a company, this episode is for you. Enjoy, and I will see you on the other side. Welcome, Tom and Joelle. Excited to have you here today on Lead with Impact. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Super stoked, Brian. So today we're going to talk about leading with influence, not fear, and whether or not leaders should lead with influence uh, as opposed to leading with fear. So I thought I'd throw out there, what are some of the potential sources of a leader's power? If we've thought that through, like you could lead with influence, but what are some other ways that leaders can actually lead people or maybe that you have seen them lead people? Wow. Yeah, I try to think of scenarios where leaders are going at it from a different stance like that. I mean, certainly there's the physical aspect. You have some of the more laborious type of functions and you're doing the heavy lifting, uh, both in that example, more literally. You have some leaders now who, just by the way business has gone, they're doing more figurative heavy lifting, picking up the loads and, and trying to lead by example there. But then you also have leaders who are taking advantage of the situation, meaning I'm frustrated. I don't know how to keep my cool. And sometimes the employees are getting the brunt of it. And it's 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 a tough nugget to observe and find out about because it, it really makes you take pause as to what's going on with companies like that because it's not just you, you see it with some mom and pops just because they're comfortable and they got family members so family members are usually a little bit more relaxed in their verbiage but you do see it in some mid-sized companies too and, and it throws you back a loop that wow you know this stuff really does happen and it still happens today I was going to say yeah definitely leading by we're seeing it right now obviously leading by example right um, we, I, one of the leaders I've worked for says, you know, we all take out the garbage mentality, right? So really leading by example, everybody picking up their weight. And then the other one I, you know, see now and, 
you know, in day to day is leading by inspiration. Um, and I think that comes to a lot of, you know, not necessarily knowing the destination or how to get there, but here's where we want to go. And, you know, strength based using that team that you have to really propel and utilize everyone to get you there. Um, and it makes more of a collaborative approach too. A couple that I was looking at maybe from the not quite as effective standpoint, one, and this is a big mistake that some leaders make is they attempt to rule through their title. In other words, my, my business card says I'm your boss, so do what I say. And that's how they base everything on, that you should do what I say just because I have the title. And that tends to bring about shallow and short-lived results in my experience, and that people will do just as much as they have to, and not any more than that. And then the other part of that is the ability to reward and punish. And that can be leaders maybe that are not on the org chart above a person, but they know they have that power still to affect their lives negatively. So people sort of kowtow to them and tend to do what they tell them to do, but again, just enough to sort of scrape by. So those are a couple of the mistakes that I see leaders make sometimes is trying to rule just because they have that innate sense of power. Any thoughts on that? And say no. I mean, you see that, right? And we know when people start to rule uh, from power, what ends up happening and ultimately creates a toxic work environment. And that has a whole host of, you know, residual effects, not only on the leader, the team, but the organization, too. So let me throw this question out there. Is leading by influence better than leading through a title or leading through reward and punishment? So I always come from the perspective of influence um, over reward and punishment. I just think you lend itself to really meeting your employees where they are. Um, You're engaging them in a strength-based approach um, because we can't engage everybody by KPIs, right? We know each employee performs differently. And if we're influencing people to want to move to a certain level or a certain result, um, we're not giving them specifics. We're saying, here's the ultimate goal. How would you get there? Um, because the way I do it and the way somebody else would do it might be really differently and it doesn't need to be done a specific way, but we're looking for that creativity and that engagement where people feel needed and want to be somewhere and not feel like they have to be there either. Yeah. I think back on examples that I used to hear from old colleagues and they always enjoyed the leaders that brought them on a journey invited them along versus told them where to go and there's value in teaching somebody where you're going but when you have the perspective that you can influence somebody's why or influence their understanding of what their why is as we talked about cynic before it has a dramatic impact versus do this or else Right. You know, certainly some people are in the wrong role. They, you know, maybe somebody's in a sales role and it just isn't for them. They can't close fast enough or they don't know how to close that kind of deal. That's why you see in some job descriptions they want enterprise sales or software sales. And it's just a different relationship. And there's something that goes along with that in terms of being able to accomplish those. But the punishment piece that comes along with it, when you hear about how somebody gets scolded like they're a 13 year old or what have you, or that's at least how they feel. It doesn't seem productive in anybody's environment. 
Have you ever seen real-life examples of leading through influence and it resulting in really better results than, say, leading through reward and punishment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's always a telling sign. So take, for example, you have a leader that leaves an organization and the group numbers decline after they leave. So the initial reaction by the some would indicate, oh, what good did they do? Their numbers dropped as soon as that person left. Whereas the further you dive into it, you realize the numbers were up because of the positive impact that that leader had. And not to get into names or anything like that, it's just one of those examples that's always stuck out to me of there's a yin and yang to it in terms of there's two sides of the coin, but have the perspective to look at what was the positive impact? Maybe there was some negative impact. Who knows? But you know that that positive story has always resonated with me for fifteen or twenty years. And I'll just you know, kind of personally, you know, when given the um, opportunity to be led by you know, kind of that impact or influence, I'm allowed a certain level of creativity. You know, I can do things smarter, not harder. I can recreate the wheel or engage community partnerships in a way that maybe hasn't been done and possibly take whatever organization or project I'm working on to another level as where when we're looking at that rewards and punishment, it's very, here's the task, do it. And as I can do the task all day long, but there's really no opportunity for me to feel engaged and there's really no opportunity to grow. Um, and a lot of times I personally become disengaged and I'm not really understanding what, what is my value or what, what am I contributing you know, if I were to leave tomorrow, what stamp did I leave on this role or on this organization or business? Um, because if it's just they can get another number puncher, you know, for this reward or punishment for the KPIs, why am I here? Yeah, I can I can feel that. that you feel that energy on just the answer there about how that individual feels in that situation where you know, once that, whether it's a threat or not, you know, it still comes across that way to the mm -hmm. employee. When they're made to feel that way, your trust is gone. Yep. And you have a long road to get to rebuild that if you're given the opportunity. It's that whole mentality shift, you know, on that negative side, Joel, of what you're talking about. At best, someone feels like an order taker, right? Someone, tell, someone tells them what to do and they do it versus the feeling of autonomy and the fact that you are a problem solver. You could have either mindset and one is just so much more powerful than the other. Well, I think it also, one creates more opportunity for an organization, a business and a leader too. And not necessarily just how the employee feels, but also the residual effects that it brings as a whole. So what are the downsides to leading through fear? We sort of touched on this a little bit, but suppose someone's listening to this and they say, hey, yeah, Brian, Joel, Tom, you say that, but I rule with an iron fist. That's just who I am. Uh, what are some of the downsides to that? The biggest one is turnover. People aren't going to put up for it, with it for long, not unless they're desperate. And if they're really desperate, they'll leave for something else anyway because they, they just get fed up. You know, the anxiety piece that goes along with that has to be maddening for some where they just kind of feel like they're in an abusive relationship in some regards. And so it makes them, you know, 
there's, there's a trickle-down effect for the employee because now they're less trustful of every employer. Um, uh, but, you know, the, the employer who's leading through fear is just going to be in a, a situation where they're never going to be happy. People aren't going to stay. They're going to blame it on the job seeker not wanting to work when it's really them. And until they hit that realization that they need to change, it, it's going to continue. And it's one of the, you said it's one of the biggest controllable costs for businesses, right? I always talk about focusing on your human capital. And when you're doing that, and Tom, you probably know this right off the top of your head, but the cost of turnover is what a salary and a, that person's salary and a half on average. So you're thinking you're paying that person's salary plus a half if you're turning them over. And I always say your brand, your organizational, but also your leadership style, your brand and reputation supersedes you. So at some point, there, you're going to run out of people to lead with fear, and there's not going to be anybody that wants to join your team. And yes, you may think you can do it all by yourself, but you'll run out of steam eventually. We know that. There's only so much gas in the tank. Um, and really, I think it also, um, for me, it stunts creativity um, and evolution, which I think now more than ever, we've realized we have to pivot. We have to evolve and think creatively. And you want people like that on your team. You don't want them all to think the same way. Yeah. Well, and you think of it And uh, another, I'll add one more piece and then Brian, tell me what you think. Um, I had a con- colleague of mine in one of those roles working for, as I call him, a yeller and screamer. And it ended up costing him his job because he was just in the wrong place, wrong time. He was thankful to get out of there. But to your point about the 150% you know, cost, eventually the business leader in that organization found out about it, figured it out because they lost a client over it. So here you lost a client, number one. You lost a leader and half their salary. And you lost a key contributor and half your salary. And those are the only ones that you're measuring at that point. But how many others have you lost along the way? So here you're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars of loss on a controllable item. Yep. And to spin off both of those points that you both made very well and that I agree with 100%, you know, I can paraphrase a famous quote about um, training. Yes, something bad might happen. Your, your employees might become disengaged and they leave. Or I might say what is worse is they become disengaged and they stay. And then they are, two phrases come to mind, discretionary effort and malicious compliance. (laughs) Discretionary effort, I'm gonna do just enough to stay out of trouble so he doesn't scream at me, but he's not gonna get one ounce more of work out of me. I'm gonna do just what I can to keep my head above water. And then malicious compliance, yes, I'm gonna do what I, He's yelling at me to do, but he's not looking at what I'm doing over here. And those are both very well-known and proven results from the yelling and screaming leadership style. Now, Tom, let's take this a step further. An argument could be made that unemployment is high. No one's going to leave now. So why don't I just yell and scream? I realize I answered that a little bit with my response there, but I'd love to throw that out to you. What if leaders have that? mentality. Right now, I can get away with that because nobody's going anywhere. Well, if you're the top of the food chain in that group of the yeller and screamer type of setting, you may find some short-term success because of a blip in the radar because people are desperate. 
inevitably, you know, more more than likely you're going to fail. It, it may not be today or tomorrow, but in, in the coming months, it's a short-lived proposition. If you're in a situation where you have a yeller and screamer, certainly provide them with the coaching. You know, any employer worth their salt is going to give everybody a chance to succeed. If it's not working, it's time to move on. It doesn't mean that the person can't be nice on the softball field or at the family picnic, but as a leader in your organization, if that's their style, that's a reflection on you as an organization. Uh, as Joel put it before, it's the, the, the ambassadorship that goes across at all levels to your customers, internal and external, will just destroy your company image across the board and no one will have faith in you. And again, you're going to end up failing versus the amount of success you could have if you change the direction. A lot of times I say, you know, maybe the the ruling by power is not technically that individual's even leadership style. It may be something they saw modeled, right? A lot of times how we learn in the leadership roles are we learn by the person who trained us. And it could also be that that's been going on for organizational, you know, timeframes. And yes, it's worked, but I think now we're also in an extremely unique time while Yes, you know, there are tons of people that may be looking for jobs. I think a lot more people are looking for not jobs, but careers. They're looking for a place where they can come and have an impact and be there. And I'm sure as many of the listeners and both of you on the call, you've gone into interviews where you could actively see that influencer versus the, you know, reward and punishment leader. And people can see through that. They can feel that. And they're going to make their choice. Um, because if they are that person that's right for your role, chances are they're probably right for somebody else's role. So on two ends, you know, the the revolving door, at some point, somebody's not going to get in it. So there's not always going to be somebody coming into your interview. And then the other chance, there's always the opportunity to learn and learn new skills and kind of transition your leadership style. Not to say because you ruled this way, you're always going to rule this way. I think that's not my optimistic perspective of there's so much opportunity and different things you can learn too. I agree 100%. Someone who trains leaders, a lot of that is learned behavior or behavior that they taught themselves because they have been sort of been left to sink or swim. So who knows where they're getting their input from. Somebody they saw on TV, a movie, who knows what. But they have figured out ways that seem to work for them and just need some help in sort of adjusting that. And to come back to your point, Tom, you know, you talked about seeing examples of people who sort of get away with it. You know, my thought on that is there are certainly some very successful companies, I'm going to choose my words carefully now, uh, but they have gotten away with a reputation of maybe having culture that is a little bit unfriendly, bordering hostile. And so there can be the temptation to think, well, if big company ABC can do it, I can run my company like that. But those companies, for the most part, have built moats that are so huge that nobody's touching them and have become so successful that they can sort of take the hits maybe on culture and can survive in spite of maybe that culture that's not doing so well. But I would argue that those are very, very few and far between and still are not going to be a recipe for long-lasting success. Right. You want to be the place that people want to come to, not people want to run from. Yes. That's perfect. That is so well said. That might be the title of the episode, so thank you. Um, (laughs) Copyright. That's right. 
So what are the benefits of leading with, from, with influence? So instead of leading through punishment reward, leading through influence, in other words, I make you want to do more, how does that pay off? I think in, you know, there's so many different ways. I mean, productivity, it pays off in creativity, engagement. Um, and I know Tom talked about it. You know, we think so much of, you know, employees being engaged in the work they're doing, but it's also being engaged in the uh, the clients or the customers they're working with. So you have a twofold. You really have some endless opportunities to maybe do things differently. Um, and I think as a leader, when you're leading by influence, you're kind of giving the roadmap, but you're not saying, you know, here's the map. We don't get there how you would get there. And as a leader, you might also learn something new. Um, I think a lot of times I lead by influence and I'm constantly learning from the people around me, which is a twofold. They're, they're learning and building, getting their feet wet and, you know, getting their feet underneath them and being successful. And then the off chance, I'm learning new things that I would have never have done or thought of or even seen because that's not how my brain works. So I think it's, it's a twofold. It's not only making a culture that people want to, to Tom's point, run to, not away from, but it's also giving you the opportunity to learn as a leader throughout that process too. Wow. I'm trying to top that one, Joelle. That was, that was pretty good. Sorry, yeah. Tom. <laughs> you, let, you set it up for a great thing. You set it up for the great thing from not running away. <laughs> I, I, I tossed the softball at you. Um, yeah, I don't know how I would add to that. I that was just so well phrased, so well thought out. It's the right approach. You know, I had this conversation with my wife not too long ago is that people know from a young age what's wrong and right. And whether they fall into the trap of just doing it because they're too busy to change or because it's hard to change, it's no excuse. As you grow up and you learn things the beauty of being human is you you have the ability to adapt. You have the ability to imagine possibilities that are unknown. And it's a matter of, you know, whether you want to look at it from, all right, I I don't want to exercise because it's too hard, or I don't want to learn how to speak French because it's too much work. Well, how much work do you want to put in? Because what you reap is what you, is it what you reap is what you sow? Is that how that goes? Right. So the more time and energy you're going to put into something, you know, if your people see you doing that, wow, what an impact that can have. You know, when you make the change yourself and they have a leader to follow, bam, that's an easy sell for a group to buy into where a mission is, you know, where that company mission is going. But just in terms of the upside of an organization, you know, do it the right way. If you are focusing on punishment versus reward, you're literally, you can only affect what you see and what you catch. And there's always going to be somewhere, somebody somewhere with that malicious compliance <laughs> looking for ways to get, you know, plot their subtle revenge versus influence where people just take it upon themselves to take it to the next step and to take both what you, what both you talked about and just bring everything to the next level where really your duties as a leader become easier and easier because you've empowered people to go above and beyond. And you're no longer the one who's trying to catch them doing something wrong. You're just amazed by all the things that they do right. Right. Well, and imagine the possibilities of steering your folks to the next level. Now what do you have time for? 
Can you push them even further through that influence? Can you do more for yourself? Can it be a little bit of both? How your organization benefits from adding that next level thought and engagement? You know, the, I don't want to say the possibilities are endless because that just sounds too cliche, but it doesn't have to be just that extra 5%. It could be an extra 8% or extra 10%. And, you know, those little amounts add up year after year, kind of like interest. Well, think about it, Tom, in this perspective, too. And Brian, I know you talk a lot about succession, but when I think about it, I'm building my team to be better than me so that if an opportunity and if you're in an op- in an organization or a business where you want to make a move, you want to go up, if you have the person that's ready to take your role because you've given them, you've led them by example, they've grown and they've collaborated that also serves you well as a leader because that gives you endless opportunities to move with a business or, I mean, obviously with another one if you choose to go outside. But like I say, your reputation supersedes you. And if you can prove that ability to take people to the next level, right, you demonstrate that ability, that when people come to you, they get better. Yeah. I mean, that's priceless. Uh, you're just opening so many more doors for yourself, I think, in most circumstances versus somebody who's, again, sees them more as a supervisor and just trying to keep everybody in line and almost, you know, I don't want to get too far off topic here, but can almost lead from a fear-based mentality. In other words, I'm just afraid everybody's going to do wrong things after you watching them all the time versus I'm going to let them blossom. I'm going to give them the tools. Tom's saying I'm going to teach them how to fish, and that is going to result in better things for me down the road. So any last thoughts about this topic, Joelle? I think we've said a lot, um, but I think one of the things I read in a book a while ago, I can't even remember what book it was, but it was the one thing of give your employees trust. So, you know, a lot of times I'll say to my team, you know, do it the way you want to do it. Really, there's not much you can do that we can't fix or that would be wrong and giving them the opportunity to really explore that because some of the best life lessons we've all learned were by doing something maybe not the right way or maybe the quote-unquote wrong way, but it never turned out awful, right? There's always the chance that we can go back, we can fix things, or maybe there's an opportunity to look at maybe our process needs to be, you know, revisited too. Yeah, life lessons are the way... We process information of how to do it differently or better, whether it's through our own eyes and experiences of don't run into the pothole and get a flat tire every time you do it once. Or I'm going to steer clear of those from now on versus, you know, the the parent chirping in their ear. But as soon as the friend says the same thing, oh, that's brilliant. You know, there's make mistakes. It's okay. Don't make the same mistake a bunch of times. That's probably the wrong job. But make mistakes. Don't be afraid to experiment. Um, there's a group, Mendel Innovations, out of uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. They talk about that. Um, there's there's experimentation that's encouraged. Make mistakes. It, it, you'll be better for it because your company will have some lessons to build on and your people will know that they don't have to be afraid to try something. Phenomenal insights, Tom and Joel. Thank you so much for being here. It has been a pleasure and I will uh, we'll talk again soon. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.